Well, good morning, everybody. There you go. I hope you're all doing well. It's good to see all of you, and I hope you're staying warm. We had quite a couple of very cold days. Um, in fact, I heard on the weather report that it can't get really colder than that. Um, that's what they said. This is about as cold as you will ever experience in your life. Um, so that was, that was pretty amazing. Um, and uh, it's great to be here. I thank you, George, for that tremendous communion message. That was really fantastic. Loved that. And um, I also wanted to say uh, that, uh, Tony, so happy to see you here. Tony and the seven members of his family were in a house that uh, actually burned down a couple of nights ago at about 2.30 in the morning and fortunately lost everything. But they're alive and they're safe and they're good along with their three dogs. And so, yeah, that's a good thing that they all made it out safely. So, so happy to see you here uh, with us. We're going to continue on with our study of grace today. We're going to be talking about walking in grace. And I'm going to pick up toward the end of the lesson, something that Ryan Irby introduced uh, last Sunday, and that is the circle, the, the virtuous circle that uh, N.T. Wright uses in, in explaining uh, putting Christian character in our life, which is uh, honestly, it's, it's a response to grace, which is what we've been talking about since the beginning of the year. God has given us a fresh start. God has given us a new beginning. God has given us really a do-over in life because of his grace, because of his goodness. And we need to celebrate that. And because of that, we need to live for him. And part of living for him means that Christian character is formed in us. We become more like Christ, not because of a works righteousness, and I'm just going to white knuckle it, you know, and set my mind, and I'm going to become like Jesus. No, we live in his grace. And because we live in his grace, a product of that is the fruit of the Spirit and the Christian graces and becoming more like Jesus. And so this is what we want to try to, this is what we've been talking about all year. And I know that with many things, it takes more than one time to get it right, correct? And you have to hear things more than once for them to really sink in. And so we're going to, you know, keep talking about this because it is so, so important. So we're talking about walking in the grace, or in grace, and I, I call this sermon a variation on a theme from Ryan Irby, okay? Because he introduced this last week. Actually, I went out and studied the virtuous circle all week long and found it super, super helpful. And so um, I want to share some of the things that I've learned this past week uh, because I keep learning and we all keep learning, right? We all keep learning and we keep growing and we get to share things with each other. And I think that's a fantastic aspect of the, uh, the fellowship that we have together. <clears throat> but, you know, how do we live a life filled with the grace of God? What is the result of living in, in God's grace and being enveloped in God's grace? Uh, what is the something new that we've been talking about this year, this fresh start, this new beginning? And how do we experience God's grace? Well, part of walking in the grace of God means that we are going to take on the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, into our life. It means that we are walking in the Spirit. And therefore, we're taking on the attributes of the Holy Spirit, but also the attributes of Jesus, because we keep focusing on Jesus. 
And again, this is not something that we just set our minds and sort of in a self-help way, I am determined to do this. No, we, we uh, experience this because we walk in grace. We set our minds on grace. We set our minds on God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And because of that, a product of that is that we get to experience the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Because of God's grace, we respond by living for God. And we begin to practice healthy spiritual disciplines, which help us to stay centered in the grace of God. Now, remember Ephesians 2, 8, and 9? You remember that, right? We talked about that in January. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is God's gift, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. We live in grace, and it's not based on our works. It's simply a gift of God. But because God has given us this fantastic gift, we respond. And that is always the right way to be when somebody gives you something wonderful. I mean, you just respond. You're like, you have gratitude in your heart. And that's the way it ought to be in our lives with God and with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I really like the writings of Dallas Willard. I think I've read everything that he has written. And he's a, he's a spiritual writer, and he talks deeply about spirituality. But one of the things, what, probably my favorite quote from Dallas Willard is this. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude. Effort is an action. Because sometimes we think, well, I, I, need to, uh, I need to earn my salvation, and I need to earn God's grace. And that's not what the Bible says. Salvation and grace are free gift from God. But because God has given us this free gift, hey, we put some effort in life, right? We put some effort into being a Christian. We put some effort into becoming more like Jesus. But it's a response. It's not that we're earning it. It's that we respond to what God has already done for us. The cross has already happened. Jesus has already died for our sins. But because of that, we now respond and live for him. And that's the way it should be with every precious gift we get in life. We want to respond to those gifts. And so I appreciate what Dallas Willard says here because he talks very clearly about the difference between the mindset of earning salvation or working for salvation versus I'm saved by grace, but there, I'm going to put an effort in to living like Jesus and being like Jesus and walking in the Holy Spirit. In Philippians 3, 13 and 14, you actually see this in the life of Paul. This is how he lived his life as a response to God's grace, but he put in some effort in his life responding to God's grace. In Philippians 3, 13 and 14, Paul writes, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Forgot what was behind. He pressed on toward what was ahead. And ultimately, he wanted to live in Christ. We, that should be our response as well. A Cyprian, who was from Carthage, 
Um, he was a, a spiritual writer. And Cyprian says this about his response to God's grace. He said, when I had drunk the Spirit from heaven and the second birth had restored me so as to be a new man, then immediately, in a marvelous manner, and look at this, okay? So he realizes he, he has a, uh, an idea of the Spirit of heaven. He's been baptized. That's the second birth. And then he says, immediately, in a marvelous manner, doubts began to be resolved. Closed doors began to be opened. Dark places began to be light. What was difficult now seemed easy. And that's the response. That was his response to grace. God opened up some things in his life that he wasn't able to accomplish before simply because of God's grace. And part of God's grace is that we take on Christian character in our life and that we take on the fruit of the Spirit in our life. And so I want to point these out and just talk about these for a moment. How do we walk in the grace of God? Well, we walk in the grace of God by walking with the Holy Spirit, by looking at Jesus and focusing on Jesus, but then certain things happen in our life. We, we start becoming more like Christ. That should be the natural byproduct of walking in the Holy Spirit. And so, couple of verses I want to share with you. One is in, um, it's in 2 Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to begin down in verse 5, and this is what is known as the Christian graces right here. He said, this is Peter writing, for this very reason, make every effort. You see that? That's what Dallas Willard was saying. You don't earn salvation, but because of salvation, because of grace, we put in an effort. And this is what Peter is saying here. So we make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, then they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I call this like a stair-step pattern a stair-step pattern that leads up to the love of God. And we, we climb this stairway and we practice these characters in our life until we become more and more like Jesus. But also, you have the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit really overlaps quite a bit with what we see in, in 2 Peter chapter 1. So now we turn to Galatians 5. And we talk about these other characteristics. In Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, this is in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit means that the, that the Spirit is going to put these qualities in our lives if we walk with Him. So we make this effort to walk with the Spirit, and then our lives begin to change. And this is God's pattern for change in our life to help us become more like Jesus. Now, when you put the Christian graces and um, the, the fruit of the Spirit together, there's actually 12 attributes that are mentioned in these two passage, passages. Uh, eight of them overlap, but then there's four extra ones that 
come out. Um, and so I encourage you, maybe take a picture of that, maybe write that down, maybe think about that. But I encourage you in your own life this week, and this is my, my homework for you for the week, to look at these attributes and see where am I strong and where do I need to be strengthened? Where am I strong and where do I need to be strengthened? And then start praying for the areas. Don't, don't stop focusing on the areas where you're strong. That's a mistake we often make is that, well, I, I, we stop working on what we're strong at and we just focus on what we need to strengthen and all of a sudden we get all out of sorts. We get all out of whack because we let go of what really helps us float in life and what helps us walk in the spirit. So whatever you're strong in, um, you stay focused on that, but then look at areas where you need to strengthen a bit more and then walk in the spirit in those areas. And you say, okay, this, this, is, this is good. You've given me a lot to work on. Well, how do I work on it? And that's where this beautiful concept of the virtuous circle comes into play. How do I work on putting the Christian graces and the fruit of the Spirit in my life? And this virtuous circle that Ryan introduced to, to us last week in a book by N.T. Wright called After Do You Believe, it shows us ways that we can walk in the Spirit. How do we walk in the Spirit? How can virtue be practiced? How is this done? Well, we stay on the path of this virtuous circle right here. And I'm going to very quickly introduce you to these five elements. Don't worry, I'm not going to spend 10 minutes an element because that would be way too long, right? You're thinking, will I ever get to lunch? Now, I'm going to just introduce this to you. Ryan introduced us to the concept last week. It's a great idea. It's a great concept. I want to just introduce you to the five elements very, very briefly. And these are things that we can practice. I love the idea of spiritual disciplines, spiritual practices, which become spiritual habits, because these are the things that help us stay in God's grace and walk in his spirit and become more like Christ. So what are these five elements here. Well, the first one is scripture. Scripture. We read and we study and we practice scripture. The psalmist says in Psalm 119 verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And N.T. Wright says that this is the central element of Christian development. He says, soaking oneself in scripture as an individual and a community. I love that image, the image of soaking ourselves in Scripture, both as individuals and as a community of people. I think as a community, we do pretty well trying to be Bible-centered. And as a community, we do pretty well really even fashioning our, our sermons and our lessons in Bible so that we, we get into the text. There are times where I would say we've done even better. Because there are times where we had classes where we had to memorize scriptures. And that was just a part of being in our fellowship is that we, we I can remember I took a, an equipping course and I think there were eight scriptures a week for like eight weeks. That's a lot of Bible to memorize. But it was so helpful for me to learn that. And I, I still have those scriptures in my head. And so I think that we can even get more soaked in Scripture, by memorizing Scripture, 
and maybe even in our life groups, this is one thing that we can help each other with. Not just what are you reading in the Bible, but what are you memorizing in the Bible? Because you put that in your heart and it stays there. It lights your path. That's just how, uh, and, and there's another verse that says um, that if we'll put scripture in our heart, it'll keep sin out. So there's a lot of good there with getting into the Bible. And I love this concept of getting soaked. You know, sometimes my favorite place to, to hike is the Ramapo Mountain State Forest, it's called. And uh, Cindy and Efren introduced us to this hike. It's one of their favorite places as well. There's two ways to get there. You can either go down a steep hill and get to this lake that you walk around or pond that you walk around, or you can climb up a steep hill and walk. But either way, you're going to have an an up and a down. So whether you're going to climb it first or climb it back up second, either way, there's a climb. Uh, But once you get around there, around the circle, it's flat, it's beautiful, it's just this beautiful uh, you're in God's creation. You're in God's nature. And so I've been up there many, many times. I never plan to go in the rain, but sometimes rain happens, right? I mean, I'm, sometimes I'm up there and I'm about three miles from my car and I'm, I'm enjoying it. And all of a sudden, here comes a dark cloud and it rains. And the thing about rain is when you're out on a hike and it starts to rain, the first thing is, can I make it back to the car? Can I not make it back to the car? I don't really want to get wet. But then it starts raining. And after some time, for me, it's not very long. After about a minute or two, I'm just drenched anyway, and I embrace it. <laughs> I mean, you're wet anyway. And so I, there are times where I sit and I listen to the rain hitting the tree leaves because that's such a beautiful sound. There are times where I sit and I look out on the water and I watch the rain bounce off the surface of the water because it's such a beautiful sight. And there are times in which I just lean back my head and just take in the rain. I watch the raindrops fall. I try to blink before they hit me in the eye. I open my mouth and I just get my mouth filled with water and I am drenched from head to toe, but it feels so good on a hot day to just be drenched. And you know what? That's how we ought to feel about the Bible, that we just want to soak it in. We're just going to put our head back, and we're going to let it fall all over us. Are we that way with Scripture? See, if we are that way with Scripture, it'll really help us to become more like Jesus. So that's the entrance way. But then there's also stories. Stories are important. You know, stories shape and form our character. That's why parents tell their children about their own upbringing, the good and the bad, because they want them to know those stories. That's why we sing songs like this old hymn where it says, tell me the story of Jesus, write on my heart every word. Because we hear that story of Jesus and we're like, that sinks in. Wright says, we are storied people living amidst various plots and looking for resolution. We connect with stories, are inspired by stories, and we want to see our story connected with God's story. Stories are important. And the Bible is full of stories. You know, Jesus was a person of stories. Um, Jesus, um, I mean, think about this. Just complete this sentence. You can do it. The kingdom of heaven is like. 
you could complete that sentence because there's so many answers that Jesus gives. But the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, a pearl of great price, leaven, a farmer who casts seed on the ground, a king preparing a great banquet. And let me ask you this. What do you think when you hear this? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away. You could probably tell yourself the rest of that story. Or there was a man who had two sons. And you go right into the story. Or a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. I imagine you can complete all of those stories because we connect to stories. And Jesus was a person of story. And his story has been told and retold because it's the greatest story ever told. I had an opportunity on Thursday to go with Marty and Denise to see uh, two episodes that closed out this season of The Chosen. And if you're not watching The Chosen, I encourage you, look it up, <laughs> invest some time in it. It will inspire you because it's about the story of Jesus. And I just want to spoil the final scene for all of you today. No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that, okay? You have to wait, I think, another week or two to get that final episode. Um, but there is a beautiful scene that, that's actually going to be shown. Um, well, let me just back up. I'll back up to one you've already, already seen. And that is, if you watch the show, you saw the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount and how Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount was so beautiful because Jesus told stories. And people connect to stories. Jesus knew that. He communicated that. And the whole Bible knows that. Because you think of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you get it. You think of the story of Daniel in the lion's den, and you get it. You think of the story of Abraham and Isaac, and you understand it. And you are formed and fashioned by it. So we get into stories. The thing that I would add is we need to tell each other our own stories. Because we are a storied people. And one of the things I love in life, I was talking to the guys about this on Wednesday, I love hearing people's conversion story. I love hearing how someone became a disciple of Jesus. And we need to get together and we need to share those stories more because they are so inspiring. Stories. And then the third um, aspect of this circle is examples. It's very closely connected with stories. But it's more about looking at people's lives specifically. And the Bible is filled up with examples of people that show us how to live and show us how not to live, that show us how to make right choices and show us the consequences of making wrong choices. Wright says we need people to emulate. We need to see what virtue looks like as we attempt to develop it within ourselves. And so we look at someone who's striving to be like Jesus and we learn from that person. Paul held the churches of Macedonia up to the church in Corinth and said, look at this church as an example of what it means to give. They gave out of their poverty, and he held them up as an example. Paul also said to Timothy, Timothy, you be an example to the believers. And so we need to look for examples. We need to be examples for other people. We need to be that living example of virtue and character and what it means to become like Jesus. Examples are important. Fourth, community. Community is where we get together 
and like this, we have fellowship with each other. But it's more than just Sunday, and it's more than just life group. It's actually being in each other's lives, and it's really being committed to each other. But God speaks through his word, he speaks through people, and he speaks through his church as well. He speaks through community. And we have, church, we have community as a church. We have community in small groups. We're committed to that as a church. And we have community within our families, which is uh, what Rice says, that's the strongest place that community is really formed. Wright notes this. We need the whole and entire company of the people of God. We also need small groups, places where sharply focused learning can happen and where decisive action can be planned and taken. Of course, the most consistent source of community for our children is family. But we need community. Community is so important. I know for me, um, and I've said this before, but I was even feeling this on, on, on Wednesday again. I was feeling like, oh, man, I, I, I'm, I'm tired. I don't feel well. I'm sad. I had so many reasons not to get out and be with the brothers. So many reasons that I was giving myself. And Marty was going to pick me up and take me. And actually, when we were about three miles down the road, we were still um, in just passed through Ridgewood and we're starting to head north a little bit. I, I almost said to Marty, Marty, I'm just really sad. And can we just go back? Can you just take me back? I was, I was, I was just feeling a weight all over me. And I thought, you know what? Let me surrender. Let me just surrender right now. I'm just going to. I'm just going to go. I'm, I know this is what I need to do. I know this is going to help me. I, I need to be there with the brothers. I need this. And then when I got there, and it was so encouraging to be with each other. And you know what? I left without feeling sad. I left without any pain. I left without any discouragement. I left feeling great. Because I just made the decision, I'm going to be with my family. I'm going to be with my community. And I encourage us that, that, that there's strength that comes from that. There's strength that comes from being together. Community is important. And then this fifth element is practices. Practices means spiritual disciplines that we, that we go through and practice during the week in order to become more like Jesus. Write notes. Central to the Christian faith is the practice of shared worship. Family practices also largely shape our children and the way they view this world. So we practice different things. I call this the spiritual disciplines. Um, or I just puts them on here with a list of other things in a circle. And, um, but they include things like worship, baptism, prayer. Even right, it says this. He says giving money. That's what he said. He just he doesn't say contribution. He just says giving money, um, because honestly, the things that you give money to are the things that you are invested in, and so giving money. And then he says, and what I would add to that, it's a short list for right. It's worship, baptism, prayer, and giving money. But I would also add the practice of evangelism, the practice of meditation, the practice of justice work, the practice of. Um, reaching out and helping the community, like what happened yesterday, fellowship, hospitality, and so many other practices that are things that we can do in order to walk in the Spirit, 
and then the fruit of the Spirit and the Christian graces becomes a part of our life. Now let's go to this virtuous circle again on this next slide, and we'll close out with this. The thing I want you to know about this virtuous circle is I want you to see that this is not a line. It's not linear. It is a circle. And Wright did that on purpose. It's not linear because he doesn't want you to think, okay, I need to master scripture, and then I need to master stories, and then I need to master examples, and then I need to master community. No. What you need to do is practice these things one after the next and let them flow one into the next, and you're constantly on this circle doing these things all the time. And so you're in Scripture, but you're also in community. You're looking at examples, but you're also telling stories. You're telling stories while you're practicing worship, and there's this circle that just keeps going and going and going, and it never ends because you're on this circle walking with the Holy Spirit and also walking in the steps of Jesus and Christian character, Christian virtue, Christian attributes become a part of your life as a result of the grace of God and the fact that you're putting some effort into it. You're not earning it, okay? You're not earning the grace of God. The grace of God is there, and therefore, I'm putting some effort into this. Wright concludes by saying this, wherever you begin in developing the habits of the Christian heart, it's vital to go on around the circle and around again until the circle, and I love this, try to, try to catch on to this, until the circle itself becomes a habit of the heart, a second nature thing. Only then will we know in our bones what we should be doing after we believe. You want to know what you need to do in your bones after you believe? Practice these things. Get into the scripture. Get soaked in scripture. Hear the stories and be a part of the stories. Look for examples and be an example. Choose community. Be close in community and practice the spiritual disciplines. I encourage us all, this week is a life group week. We believe in small groups. Be with your small group and talk through these things. Let's all of us look at this virtuous circle this week. And let's talk about elements of the circle, things where we're strong in, things that we're not so strong in. And let's share with each other our, strength, our, our strengths and our weaknesses. But most of all, most of all, I encourage all of us this week, continue to live under the giant umbrella, the amazing canopy of God's grace. God has saved you because he loves you. Embrace that, that you are saved by the grace of God. Therefore, we respond to his grace. And let's walk with the Holy Spirit and walk in the steps of Jesus and walk in this virtuous circle, thus becoming more like Jesus day by day. Thank you.